Hello, and welcome to the Happy Author Podcast with me, Dorothy Coombson. I'm a multi-award winning best-selling author, and I'm here to help demystify the publishing world for anyone who writes books, wants to write books, or just has a love and passion for books. On today's podcast, I speak to sales director, Rebecca Barder. Rebecca explains how the sales team, the people who get the books onto the shelves of online and real-world book retailers, are integral to the success of a book right from before it's even signed up by the publisher. Did you know that salespeople are as involved in approving the cover of a book as they are in deciding which format a book will be sold in? No, neither did I. Rebecca also explains how readers and authors can support the book industry. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes. What is your job title? I am the headline sales director, but I have been other guises. So there is, I'm happy to, a sales bod also happy to be referred to as. What do you actually do in the sales process? Because I know people know that books end up on the shelves, but they don't actually realise how it ends up on the shelves. And, you know, I know lots of authors over the years, myself included, you've kind of your book comes out and you kind of walk into a bookshop and you think it's going to be there and it's not there. And, um, and you never kind of understand why it's not there or people will email me and text me and say, Oh, I can't find it where I normally buy your books. And I have to say to them, it's not in that store. So could you explain why that happens and what sort of part you play in that sort of process? Yes, absolutely. So the sort of, end part of the sales role as you as you were referring to is when we kind of sell into the customers um, so we go in and see the retailers and they select the books and the the frustration that you're referring to which definitely happens is sort of all part of the stock and reflam process often so there's kind of two elements to it firstly the big supermarkets the big grocers don't always select books we'll talk a bit more i think about their limited space but they only take a certain amount of books every chart change every time there's new titles out so they can't take everything so sometimes it's just not in a retailer the, the other side on the high street on the kind of um waterstones wh smiths or in the independent sector it might just be that they have actually sold out of those books and they're reordering more and so a lot of the frustrations can be from that stock and replen and the fact it's not instantaneous they have to wait for the wholesaler to get it to them for our warehouse to get it to them so there's sort of several elements for that, I think. How's the process start? So I've written a book and I've sent it into, just pretend I'm not published by headline. <laughs> I've sent it into headline and headline are vaguely interested. Would you be part of the process at that point? Yes. Yeah. And that's one of my favourite parts of the job, definitely. Uh, so the um, editor, publisher will receive it and they'll bring it forward to the headline acquisitions meeting. And that's when... Um, the wider teams get involved, sales, marketing, publicity, um, both just sort of um, feedback on where we think it would sell. That's my job is to say, oh, I think this would look good on this shelf. I think we'd be able to get coverage here. So, yes, really involved right from the start of the process. Once the book's been bought and it's got its cover and all that business, are you involved in the cover process as well? Yes. Yes, I, I like I like doing that. It's, um, it's part obviously a very key part of my job is going out to bookshops a lot going and not just sort of bookshops on the high street but going into the supermarkets looking at what the paperbacks look like on shelf what they're taking what really pops um so I, I do like to feed in but I always try and feed in it through the mindset of a customer and a retailer and how I think we could 
best reach as many readers as possible. Have you ever said no to a cover? He said, no, absolutely not. Um, no. I've just I put you on the spot there, haven't I? <laughs> I don't think so. I've probably said that I, I don't think it would stand out on a supermarket shelf or in my presentation and that sort of feedback. It's often, it's very, um, you have to really stop yourself just being like, I don't like it <laughs> and try not to be too subjective. Um, but again, a really interesting part of the journey of a book. And I think one of the most important parts of the book, getting its identity um, for, for us, for our conversations with the retailers um, and also then thinking about its journey out to find the end consumer and end reader. So talking about, say, for example, All My Lies Are True, at what point would you go and talk to the retailers about it? So it's, um, there'll be lots of different moments, really. Uh, the, certainly in the UK market, we present books at different times and actually for the international market, even further ahead. So we've been talking about the book for a really long time ahead of publication. We, we really like to start a year out if we have that opportunity, though often, you know, it has to be a bit tighter. Um, with the paperback for All My Lies Are True, um, we will just been doing the supermarkets for January to March at the moment. So for that first quarter of 2021. So hot, yeah, hot off the press, just in the last couple of weeks, we'll have been talking to them. And Waterstones will have been just a few more weeks before that. You would take a, was it a PowerPoint presentation or a paper presentation and you'd go to the supermarket and say or the retailer supermarket bookshop whoever and say these are the books we've got coming up and this is why you should buy them why you should get them absolutely that's our moment that's our moment to really engage um, the buyer uh, and have a conversation you know see see what they think about the cover love it if they have an immediate reaction is really useful also love it if they say I've read it love it if they say I want to read it so it's having um, that really brilliant conversation with with the buyers and, and making sure they know it's coming um, and as you say yes we often take in the kind of um, powerpoint printed out at the moment it's all on teams um, and so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit harder because it's harder to read the room you have to laugh at your own jokes a lot more um, so I, so I don't it's not as it's not as much fun as, as it is kind of when you can actually go in the room and, and catch up and and see how, how they're doing it's a little bit more everything's a bit more pared back but but still it's it's working. I know lots of people don't like to talk about lockdown but do you know what it's a fact of life so let's talk about it. So how has that changed your job because as you said you have a lot more meetings virtual meetings but in terms of book sales how has that impacted book sales? It's been it's been a really movable feast this whole year um, the landscape really has shifted weekly fortnightly monthly we're talking about um, Kind of different challenges I think all the way from the start of lockdown in March. Um, different for different books I think and for different sections of the book market. Um, the supermarkets I think are seeing a lot more football um, and a lot more people seeing it as their one-stop shop so we have seen some, some growth there. Um, on the high street Waterstones and the Smith both have problems with store closures in the early days of lockdown um, which both through real challenges for their for that for not having people in the store but both of them have really maximized out what they can do online and that's been quite an exciting opportunity to see what they've been able to do there and for them to hopefully find more readers and new readers that way um, 
and I think it's constantly changing really and it all depends how, how, how confident the public are for going out into those stores. I should mention Amazon as well of course um, because that is the it's, it's the steady shop window if you like it's always there they have every book they're extremely visible um, so they they've both taken a lot of the market but they've also been a really steady steady support to have across all of the titles because there's lots of controversy around Amazon so we'll move on yes no exactly but it feel it felt I felt like I couldn't not mention them because as a oh, no, so they were, you're a salesperson and they're, they're a big seller of books but exactly. also um see there was that point when they said they weren't going to be able to, to deliver books because they were doing essential stuff so that kind of that was a big blow I suppose for everybody all the publishers and readers as well Yes, absolutely. And, um, and amazing, really, to think that such an enormous, as you, as you say, an enormous business had to also look at their systems because it was such an unprecedented time um, and for them to really get on the front foot there. Um, but, but yes, as you say, a huge, a huge, um, a huge retailer for, for the book industry. And, and I think visibility for authors as well, just because they are always there and people as they were saying, they're shopping for everything on there. So I know it's, it's it's controversial and it is, there are lots of mixed feelings about it, but a huge, huge asset for our industry as well. Yeah. How many people do you have working for you in your department? So within the headline team, there's two other key account managers. And then the way we structure the Hachette is there's a, a wide group sales team that we work with as well, um, that, that sell in across um, not just headline books, but also the rest of the Hachette group. So a lot of my job is kind of working on those relationships and, and having conversations with the wider teams. For people who don't know, Hachette is like the parent company and inside each, inside Hachette are there lots of little, little companies, they call them divisions, but they're kind of little companies that you kind of have who publish certain types of books. You have very, each company division has its own type of book that they publish, some publish more literary books, some publish more crime books and headlines very commercial. And then so you're saying that there's three of you who work on headline books and then there's and then you work with the other people from the other divisions. Is that what you're yes, exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Exactly. You have to break down the jargon, don't you? Because it's your this is the whole point. So yes, so there's lots of um lots of my colleagues will not just sell the headline books, but they will sell um, headline and the other divisions who sell who publish other books so it's just making sure we work really closely with those people as well so do you sometimes do deals where you go oh if you take Dorothy's book out you could I'll, I'll take that book as well uh not really maybe <laughs> I should though um no but it's all just about making sure that they know what our priorities are and also that we know what they what their what their customers are looking for um, and it, building relationships, it's the same, I guess, internal as external, knowing what people read, what people like to read, pressing the books into the right hands and, uh, and yes, getting everyone on the same train. So how closely do you work with other departments, for example, production, marketing, editorial, publicity, all them? Uh, yes, very closely with all of them, actually. Um, as, as we were talking a bit about the sort of journey of a book, um, we're involved very much from, from acquisition, as you say, covers, and then kind of when it comes to production and distribution to make sure we're getting out to the customers and, and that we're kind of optimizing the reach that way and marketing publicity. Historically, sales, marketing, publicity always have worked very closely together just to make sure 
that I know what noise they're making and that there are enough books out there to be able to maximise that noise. So I remember in the old days when um, my books were first being published, it feels like it was like 1875 or something, <laughs> but it was, you know, nearly 20 years ago. It was very much that they would make, the publisher would design a cover and would then take it to a the retailer to double check that they liked it before they went ahead. Does that still happen or is it less so like nowadays? Um, less so, I think, um, in the fact that I don't think they're maybe perhaps quite as dom dominant as they might have been with kind of stating their opinions. But it is one of the best bits of feedback that we can get when we do do our presentations and selling to know if they think a better quote would work harder or if we need a different strap line or if a colour isn't quite right or if they've seen a book that looks very similar um, and they because they have the visibility of the whole market that can be really useful when they when they engage but they don't often it's it's not a regular thing for them to give you kind of really concrete feedback okay do they sometimes just go no we're not going to take this uh they would never say it in a meeting they would never say it in a meeting um they, they'll kind of come back with their with their selections and then there'll always be a bit of a discussion where I'll get the or the key account managers will get the opportunity to to discuss something a bit further and and see what else we might need to be able to do to to get a book on the shelf. When you speak to people in the different retailers, is it just one person you're talking to, or it it, a team? it varies actually? Yeah, no, normally a team. Um, it's it's always quite fun when they bring the wider teams, uh, the assistant buyers, the merchandisers, because there's just it feels like there's more conversation in the meeting and more discussion around the books and that's always good but obviously everyone is tight tight on numbers um, tight on resource so it just depends on on customer to customer it used to be that the first two days two weeks of a book's life were really important to get as many sales as possible and that doesn't seem to be the case especially for like big name authors it was always like oh such and such has come out and they've sold a trillion books and they're <laughs> top of the charts and no one else is going to get a look in. But it doesn't seem to be as much emphasis on that nowadays. It seems to be on pre-orders and long sales, doesn't it now? Definitely. I think um, pre-orders is something very important and I think gives everybody an idea of what that first week, those first few days of sales will be. Um, and going back to Amazon a little bit again, but there are there are more opportunities for a much longer tail of book, both on Amazon, but also, you know, all of these bookshops, lots of the bookshops have, have websites now which have more capacity to keep books up for longer and keep them more visible, um, which I think has been great. And of course, on the high street, Waterstones have a brilliant range section when they're kind of firing on all cylinders with everybody out shopping. So I, I agree, it has been really satisfying to see books gather momentum and be able to sell on longer than those first two days yeah it's funny isn't it because before because there's no much there's not much shop or shelf space that things do have to be moved aside almost for the new stuff that's coming out and it, it used to be every third every other thursday but past few weeks it's been every thursday hasn't it there's been so it, it's still mainly every other thursday there's a few exceptions to the rule that will publish out of sync um, but no, it's, yeah, it's still every two weeks. And that's the challenge in the mass market and the grocers is that 
they do only have so many bays you know they only have so many shelves and so many so much space um, and there's a lot of books as as lots of headlines have been telling us all yes so how involved are you with authors the thing with my role is i work across the whole headline list um which is which is quite a lot um no, fiction so, and non-fiction exactly fiction and non-fiction um so I really I love meeting the authors at lots of different stages. Sometimes you get pulled in at acquisition, sometimes just before publication, maybe launch events one day if the world returns. Um, but we certainly don't work as closely with the authors as marketing and publicity. I guess we're slightly one step back from that. Yeah. Okay. So what's the best way for an author to work with a sales team, do you think? It's a, it's a very good question. I think definitely always ask the questions um because i i've part of the interest or this this podcast i think the reason for it is there are quite a lot of um questions that people don't know the answer to and probably don't feel comfortable asking so i think this is great and i think you the authors should always feel like they could ask their agent or their editor particular questions and then if they don't know then they can come to my team and we can help them give context so definitely always be curious and um, I'd ask and I always say, do you make friends with your local bookshop? Because that's never, a, you know, never a bad thing and uh, to know who's around. Um, and then the other thing I, I often say is to, to kind of go into the go into all the different retailers as well. Not just the one that's down your road, but maybe if you are out shopping, pop into the book aisles. It's, it's good to have that context, I think, as well. Um, to, what to rearrange books on the shelves <laughs> absolutely you just put headline books at the top shelf and that would be great <laughs> no I've never done that I really want to I mean, I've been tempted but I haven't ever done it yet, yet. I don't I, I, I genuinely don't merchandise that badly but I do I pre-covid I should say I do often touch a lot of books um and uh, I feel like books are really tactile things so often my friends will not come into bookshops with me <laughs> <laughs> well, these are the stroking books. So they're, they're like, what? You're, you're lingering. You're lingering by these ones. <laughs> have you, looked, have you been, ever been thrown out for doing that? No, but I have had a number of, um, I have heard a number of sales manager stories where they've, because we, we take a lot of photos of books as well, um, so that we can look back on them, send them out to authors, send them to editors. And often in supermarkets, people do get asked to, to leave <laughs> that has never happened to me but i have a lot of colleagues where where they've asked what they're doing taking photos of books <laughs> i just love books that's what they should exactly, say exactly exactly um what can people who are re uh, who are readers not writers so i'm hoping lots of readers listen to this podcast um as well as aspiring authors or authors who are what, are, what can people who are readers listing do to help with the sales process uh well re reviews are great so if, if they feel impassioned and want to leave a review on any um retailer website i think that's great talking to your friends and family about great books that you've discovered and great authors um feel emboldened to go and read authors older books i always think there's always gems when you discover someone's new book and realize they've got another 12 undiscovered um, because that's what I've always 
known over the years that it's word of mouth that sells books isn't it people talking about it so definitely and it's been interesting over the last five plus years to really see um the online element of that the book bloggers the bookstagrammers uh, I love I love seeing that that really um, engaged enthusiasm for talking about new books, old books, good books, um, which is yeah I think so important. Is there anything else you think people should know listening to this? But I I think I've covered as much as I can in the time we have because I don't want this to go on forever because I could <laughs> talk to you forever. But is there anything else you think that people should know about the whole sales side of um, the book world? I think the only thing that we haven't really touched on is is digital and audio. Oh, yes. yes. The different formats. So I, I was just we often when we talk to to new to new authors um, and we talk about how we work um, as a sales team, we always say we work across all formats. And that includes the sort of their paperback, their hardback, their audio, their ebooks. I think it's amazing how many different ways there are for people to consume content these days. And I think that's brilliant, whatever way they read it, it's fantastic to, to kind of find them. And so I, I just, yeah, I think it's always good not to, not, not, not about fixating on one format, but just being aware that there are lots of different ways to, to reach people and we're using all the different levers we have within the publishing industry to, to do that. Some books come out in ebook first. Does that help other sales as well, or as in paper sales? Yeah, I, it generally um, often helps momentum and visibility. There's lots of different reasons to do it. It might be that we have to match a publication date in America, but we don't want to bring our own paperback forward. So there are different reasons. It's not always let's put the digital first to, to sort of get that out in front. Often we sort of ha have to. Um, but yeah, it can really help momentum and definitely on on the on the big on the big websites one format often helps another so if if your um, digital format is running it does help the print format surface yeah and um audiobooks are a huge thing at the moment i just recently did got into listening to audiobooks um and that's a a huge market that's kind of opening up now as well isn't it yeah and i i think i i think as well lots of non-readers or perhaps non-regular readers are listening to more books because they just people's brains I think just work in different ways and so it's been amazing to watch that format really grow and continue to keep growing in fact I'm disappointed we, we do actually have an audio studio in in our building now in the office and I maybe that would have been so pro Dorothy if I could have done our podcast from there next time volume yes. two coming to you from our audio studio <laughs> yeah that'd be great wouldn't it i know it's funny isn't it we can't um we can't use something that was put in it's kind of obviously been stalled a bit hasn't it now yeah it's a shame for for, for that to be able to maximize that launch but it'll be here next year yes absolutely um it's interesting actually that whole that's it we, we kind of we are a lot of us fixated on the sales from books in shops whereas there is the whole other formats and that is a, a thing that I think we need to focus we need to kind of remember that there are so much there are so many formats and there is so much um there's so much scope for your book to sell your book has sold even if you you can't see it in a shop it can have sold 
loads and loads of copies, can't it? Definitely. And there are loads of readers out there, avid readers that just prefer to take content in a different fashion. And, it, and when you were talking earlier about the long tail, actually, I think um, digital is really important for that, for being a, for us as publishers to be able to reinvigorate some old titles, but also for discovery, for people to go back and easily discover more and more books. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been great talking to you. Oh, thanks, Dorothy. It's been a hoot. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining me, Dorothy Coombson, on the Happy Author podcast today. I hope my chat with sales director Rebecca Barder gave you some insight into how the world of books work. Keep writing, keep reading, keep happy. Talk to you soon. Bye.